0: Oh, my voice is breaking, John. Oh, you've reached that age. News, look at that. <laughs> um, hello, welcome to We Are History. I am Angela Barnes. I'm John O'Farrell. And don't forget, if you would like to get your episodes a week early and ad-free, you can join our Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash History, and for a small amount every month, you can join our club and you get merch, don't you, John?
1: Uh, yeah, you get little. Uh, you get a free car. Uh, you get, um, I think you get. Uh, we're, we're not regulated by Ofcom, are we? No, we're, we're all not. right. Yeah, yeah. Can say that, I think you get a little flat in town as well, yeah, I which think is you nice. Do. Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> and. Don't forget to subscribe, listeners, and then it just downloads automatically onto your cassette recorder, which is <laughs> how right. these things work. It's magic. I don't really understand it, Angela. I'm not. I'm, I'm, it's I'm,
0: weird because uh, no one can tell. You bluff it so well.
1: <laughs> what are we talking about this week, Angela?
0: Well, it's that time of year, John. Oh
1: yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yes. What indeed. What are
0: you doing this? Time I'm leading of on this year?
1: one. I'm leading on this one because um, I've got strong feelings about this subject, Angela, and yeah. uh, I'm going to bore you with.
0: Are you? (laughs) Brilliant. I can't. I'm such a lucky girl. So we thought this week we'd look back at the infamous gunpowder plot in 1605, see what actually happened, how it played out, the impact it had at the time and the way its memory was used by people in power to further their agenda, John.
1: Oh, indeed. Yeah. Well, this is all history, isn't it? It's always used to further their agendas. And says, Childhood memories of bonfire night.
0: I loved bonfire night when I was a kid because it was just before my birthday. So I was getting in or you know when you were a kid you get excited about your birthday oh, coming. Oh yeah and then and so you go bonfire night meant it was my birthday in a couple of days. Yeah. So yeah I loved it. I lo- but in those days you had proper bonfires. In the
1: garden with and, the family and door. And it door was and... actually
0: cold. Yeah it's probably like you'd ra- wrap up when your fingertips would be cold and you whereas now I sort of if I go to a, a firework display or something now you wrap up warm and go, I'm too hot. This is...
1: <laughs> that might not be global warming. It might be just the time of life. Who knows? It might
0: be. It could be yeah, fair point. <laughs> um,
1: I just have something exciting about being a child and being allowed out at night and then to be allowed to write your name with a sparkler yeah, and have yeah. dad lean in and light the firework and it to go out and mum say don't go back to it and she was serving up you know, jacket potatoes and mulled wine. Yeah, uh, happy days.
0: Potato soup we always used to have. At...
1: Um, I remember cycling down my road and every garden had uh, a bonfire in it, and the kids standing around, and that was the tradition back then. Uh, before it became much more sort of centralised and council led, it was a
0: really big thing. Like now, they don't do the bonfires anymore, do they? It's just fireworks yeah, now. Yeah, you're right. And that. My my dog is quite okay with fireworks. Yeah. She sits on the balcony and watches them. Yeah. But I know a lot of people whose pets are really affected by it and I know farm animals are affected by it yeah. and stuff like that. And I just go, is it worth it for that yeah. one night of
1: I just think it was so brilliant when I was a kid and then when I heard grown-ups talking about limiting it, I thought, I oh, don't spoil all the fun and now I'm thinking Oh, the poor dogs. And yeah, just the, it just
0: makes me really sad when I think, because they don't know what's happening, do they? And yes, it really but, affects them.
1: But it is sort of, um, it, has, so, so it has sort of declined.
0: Yeah, I mean, we we sort of more about Halloween now, aren't we? When I was a kid, we didn't do anything for Halloween. No. I remember, actually, we didn't know what trick-or-treat was. We'd heard the phrase trick-or-treat, yeah. but no one did it when we were no, kids. No. And it just sort of started when I was I, th- I guess about 11, 12 there's oh, okay. a couple of people obviously seen it on films in America yeah. and I remember somebody rang the doorbell my mum answered it and they said trick or treat and my mum went oh treat and took one of this <laughs> shut them. I was like no mum you've just stolen a child's sweet. they weren't offering you one I'm going to start doing that
1: I mean when it was just coming in I remember I was from my front door and it was about October the 25th and these two tall scary 15, 16, 17 year olds just stood at the door and went trick or treat they weren't in costume it wasn't Halloween they were just coming round to my house maybe, asking for shit
0: maybe they were like five year olds dressed as teenagers just <laughs> scary hoodies maybe that's
1: what it was <laughs> yes, well it certainly scared me um, but I lament the loss of the English culture oh, that like was grandpa. Bonfire Night. <laughs> and we've, it's another example of us importing American culture, displacing our own culture and our own history. I know that things move on and that America is a sort of dominant cultural and economic powerhouse. And it's natural that, you know, we would start to sort of. I mean, in their you have just put a Hollywood film on uh, the West End,
0: John. So, I know, absolutely you know, That's a I fair mean... <laughs> point.
1: Fair point about English culture. But we put a Shakespearean musical on Broadway. So there you go. So it's a, just an exchange, exchange program. Exchange, exactly. <laughs> okay, um, that makes more sense. No, it's a fair point. But uh, Halloween, of course, is a European festival and um, probably pre-Christian festival that was adapted into the Christian festival, uh, Night for All Souls' Night and then went to america and became its own thing and has come back again in a different way. So, you know, these things evolve and change, but I'm mm-hmm. just I'm not going to say it's not a little bit sad. When I was a kid, lovely english traditions like letting off bangers and throwing them out the upstairs mm-hmm. of the bus, jobs throwing air bombs around after closing time and traumatizing the pets. Quaint old british customs like that. And so yes, I miss them. <laughs> do you remember Penny for the guy?
0: I do. I remember some friends and I made a guy once and put it in her little brother's pushchair and you did it. It you did it. You went around. You went around extortion. Extorting money from old <laughs> yeah, exactly. ladies for your rubbish. <laughs> we did. So, Spent it on sweets at the yes. shop. It's great. Yes.
1: Um, yeah. I remember when I first moved to London. The kids were still doing it in the eighties. Mm. And this little street urchin said, "Pay for the guy." I remember giving him fifty p and saying, "Don't spend it on glue." <laughs> <laughs> um, so where do we start, Angela? How far back should we go discussing the guy forks? plot, the gunpowder Don't plot. ask
0: me, John, because you know what will happen. Oh, no. I think it's so, best
1: that you make this decision. Well, there was this big thing called the Reformation in Europe. Um, the split in the Christian Church leading to the division between the Roman Catholics and the Protestants. I think it's fair to say Things got pretty heated uh, from time to time. Yeah, Angela. We haven't
0: done an episode
1: on that, no. have we, actually? I'm quite surprised well, It's so massive. Haven't. It's like doing the Second World War well, yeah, or something, isn't it? it is, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, fair to say feelings were running high, Angela? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. I mean, we'll take it as read that the listeners know I, about. I
0: wonder it. if there's one listener somewhere sitting, listening to this in shock, going, wait, what, there's more than one type of Christian church?
1: <laughs> so anyway, <Is> <laughs> yeah, that's, maybe you uh, are. Well, sorry to shock you, listener, but, yeah, the Reformation was this big thing. And, of course... Uh, by the time we get to 1600, Europe is very divided, mm. and Britain has been divided. It's gone back and forth. Queen Mary was a Catholic, um, but then Queen Elizabeth I had been a Protestant in the latter half of the 16th century, and her reign had seen increasing persecution of Catholics in England. People were fined a shilling a shilling, Angela, if they absented themselves from the service of the Church of so England. It's about 5p,
0: isn't it, any money? Yeah. Doesn't that much?
1: It doesn't no, sound too much, I'm pretty it? sure it was
0: quite a bit more back then. And yeah. of course, decimalisation came in much later, didn't it? That is that, is it? That, is yeah. it? Yeah. a bit yeah. later, yeah. I, okay, thanks. I, <laughs> I wasn't clear.
1: clear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so these non-attenders at church were called uh, rec- recusants? How do you pronounce that? Re- rec- Recusant. Recusants. 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 You sort of checked that before. You're it's the a problem with
0: reading books. Yeah, it? I know.
1: <laughs> the recusants. We could have
0: checked, but where's the fun in that?
1: I know. It's particularly applied to Catholics, that phrase. And in 1593, another law actually required Catholics to remain within five miles of their homes, which is pretty uh, draconian, isn't yeah. it? And of course, it was high treason to import or publish any official documents from the Vatican. So um, Well,
0: that's the Pope just messaging yeah, John yeah, there. Message, I don't know if you heard say, yeah. that. Um, <laughs> Are you talking about yeah. us? So it was, it was illegal, of course, to be a... Catholic priest at this time absolutely, and famously a lot of stately homes when you visit them they have those priest holes don't they yes, that right. they're hidden like little behind fireplaces or in the roofs and yeah. stuff you can uh, so when the authorities turned up looking for them
1: Yeah, you, you could hide them. your priest hide your priest that <laughs> sounds like a euphemism doesn't it Angela it,
0: does, it definitely does <laughs> as does priest hole um,
1: <laughs> I know let's be honest it's just for, this, <laughs> I think this episode has got quite a few euphemisms in it <laughs> that's just the way our minds work I think <laughs> so like the best estimate for the number of Catholics in England at this time is about 1% or 40,000. But this was those who practised. If the country had switched back to Catholicism again, it wouldn't have been 99% resisting.
0: No, Uh, most of these Catholics, it should be said, were loyal to their monarch and they didn't want any trouble. You know, just want to worship in peace. It's not... A, a hill to die on this no quite
1: and they, they waited a long time for the death of Elizabeth uh, with hope that the new monarch would bring an end to their persecution and then in 1603 Elizabeth finally died
0: there's theories aren't there about how she died that she might have died by lead and mercury poisoning that's you know right because that? yeah. this white powdery substance that they used or she used to lighten her skin Right. Which is known as, and this is another word that I've just read, John. So right. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a run up at it, Venetian. I can do that yeah. word, Venetian ceruse. I think so. Do
1: you think C E
0: R U S E? But is it's that? it's a substance that contained loads of lead. Okay. Basically, lead exposure over time not good for you, John. Um, as if that's not bad enough. There's something called cinnabar, right. which actually sounds quite yummy, doesn't it? It yeah. sounds like a cinnamon, mm. like a nice <laughs> cinnamon roll, but it's not. Uh, it's a substance that was used to make lipstick in the 16th century, which would give your lips a little reddish tinge, nice. probably because they're just swelling up and <laughs> yes. having a reaction. Because <laughs> yes. the cinnabar is toxic and was essentially a mercury sulfide mineral. Mm, right. Yum, yum, yum. Put that <laughs> on your lips. So lead and mercury were the two most prevalent toxic substances in different cosmetics that Elizabeth increasingly caked her face and lips within wow. the 1580s and 1590s. And other poisonous substances, such as arsenic, were used in early modern... It's shit being a woman, John. Uh, it is. well' You've got to say, I look pretty, but I know, actually, but look,
1: I, you notice how I gave you the stuff about makeup, Angela. Yeah. Do, I'm in You've charge got of the, the explosives. Bang bang stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like all the stuff. Yeah. Went, I mean, stand back. I'm lighting this podcast. <laughs> um, yeah. But in the end, actually, she did. She died. I mean, she's probably weakened by all this over the decades. Yeah. But in the end, she got pneumonia, and she died at Richmond Palace at the age of 69, which is actually mm. not bad for this particular period yeah, we're talking about, which is day, which yeah. is called the olden days. This period. <laughs> yeah. um Or Elizabeth. Elizabethan—that's good.
0: So I've just well, just worked so it out, John. Have that's you? A, that's
1: a new phrase. You could—I don't think anyone's come up with that. It's a new. We're going to dub that period the Elizabethan Age. Um, so her cousin James VI of Scotland becomes James the of England. He comes down south. He eats a lovely loin steak on the way down. He knights it, and it becomes the sirloin steak. Is that true? That is true. Is that how sure. where, that's, sirloin, that's where sirloin comes, comes from? from. He, dub, he knighted a loin steak on that way down. So uh, yeah. so they say. So they say. Because some people say Henry Eighth, but it was James the First. James the sixth. Suddenly, it's all change in London. Angela, all the Angus Steakhouse yeah, is open cause... up, serving <laughs> sirloins. Scottish <laughs> people everywhere. That, that
0: was the biggest change that, that was the biggest happened, change, wasn't it? Angus Steakhouses, it, that loins yeah. became sirloins, <laughs> and that's the end of the podcast. Thank you very much. <laughs> now, although James was a Protestant, English Catholics they thought he would be far more sympathetic to their plight than Elizabeth yeah. had been, right? Yeah. And so, in the first few months, he did attempt to be. Kind of all things to all men, all yeah, people.
1: all people, men, people, yeah. that's my notes. He did away with fines for not attending Anglican church, but then found himself under pressure from the, uh, you know, increasingly Puritan parliament to bring the fines back again. Within a couple of years, bitter disillusionment was setting in amongst certain Catholics. And they were going, hmm, I don't like this new king mm. and his parliament's even worse. It's not as if there's any way of getting rid of the whole lot of them in one go. And then someone has a thoughtful sip of his beer and he says, unless... So the first meeting of the Gunpowder Plot conspirators was on the twentieth of may sixteen oh four in the Dog and Drake in the Strand.
0: I love it. I love when these things start in a pub. It's in a pub, you go it's always in a pub. We should blow it? up Parliament and the King. Yeah, normally you wake up the next morning, you go, oh God, I was talking rubbish last night. Oh God. But the mistake that these people made, these gunpowder yeah, no, no, no. plotters, was to stick with the plan when they'd sobered up. No, it's incredible, like,
1: well, isn't it? Yeah, it's like If
0: I'd stuck well, with every drunken plan I'd ever made, my God. Uh, yeah,
1: it's like I wonder if one of them went, God, we had a few last night, didn't we? And the other one was going, no, 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 no we're doing it. We're, we're doing, doing it. I yeah, yeah, yeah. the gunpowder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the idea was to tunnel under the House of Lords and hide barrels of gunpowder underneath the spot where both houses and the new king would all be gathered for the state opening of Parliament and then blow them all up and then uh, have a rebellion and stuff, and, well, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. What
0: I love about this is even, I mean, the second half of that plan is obviously they've not thought about. (laughs) No. But the first half is just, we'll tunnel under the House of Lords, as if that's an easy thing to do. Nobody's going to notice you're digging a tunnel under the House of Lords, are they? That's fine. So however ill thought out the second part of the plan, where they murder the king and all his ministers and the members of the parliament, it came pretty close to succeeding, yeah, considering yeah. what a madcap idea it was. Even half as much gunpowder as they used would have wiped out the entire ruling class of the country in one moment. All the noblemen who effectively kept order in the shires, the Privy Council who managed the country's finance and foreign policy, all the bishops would have been there who ruled over the church. Even Black Rod would have perished, leaving the country without anyone to you know, do whatever...
1: Black Rod does. Well, it depends on which one you're referring to, Angela. Black Rod is either the personal attendant of the sovereign in the House of Lords, or Black Rod is a male stripper gam available for parties operating in the Midlands. John, you did not just
0: make a Black Rod joke. I mean, there's low-hanging fruit, John, and then there's a black <laughs> rod joke. we have
1: got to do it, man. These are the <laughs> gags, Angela.
0: You'd be <laughs> chucked out of the comedy writer's gang if you didn't, if you just let exactly. black it's, rods it's pass all my, you by.
1: It's all my comedy writer's uh, union card. You've got to do it. <laughs> so England didn't possess a standing army to step into the power vacuum, and, and anarchy would surely have followed, with all the innocent, non-conspiring Catholics, the most ardent target for any backlash.
0: Yeah, so this is why so many Catholics were terrified by the prospect of such an action. Because they just wanted to live their lives in peace, eat their wafers in private. Most Catholics weren't looking to join a religious war against the Protestants, but now they're all going to be tainted because of this terrible conspiracy. Yeah.
1: So the leader of the conspirators was not the man we associate with November the 5th, but Robert Catesby. And by rights, uh, he should be the figure burned on bonfires around the land on November the 5th. But Penny for the Robert, it just doesn't have the same ring <laughs> to it. Does it? Penny the for life.
0: the Bob, though.
1: Penny for the Bob. Or they, for or the, bob could, for the Bob. Bob for the Bob would have been better, wouldn't, wouldn't it? we would have got more. You got they more should when have workshopped this with us? Us? <laughs> That's what they should <laughs> yeah. have done. You could have, yeah. I'd say Penny wasn't very much, if you're honest. Yeah. The Dictionary of National Biography says that, He is said to have exercised a magical influence upon all who mixed with him. So basically a mad cult leader who persuaded people to carry out an insane and barbaric plan. He was the Osama bin Laden of his day.
0: And the writer and historian Lady Antonia Fraser called him the prince of darkness at the centre of the gunpowder plot. Ah, oh,
1: thank you, Lady Antonia Fraser. <laughs> I mean my first day at university, her daughter was starting on the same day as me. And this, this young girl, you know, I was 18. She sat opposite me and said, can you pass some salt?" I mean, yeah, it is a bit like that here, isn't it? The sword, could you pass the sword? Oh, you're not joking. You really that talk like that. that is, that's how you talk.
0: <laughs>
1: but of course, the person we
0: most associate with the conspiracy is, of course, Guy Fawkes. He was a former soldier who gained experience with gunpowder when fighting in the Spanish Netherlands. Yeah. Guy now needed to go undercover. So after much thought, he hit upon an imaginative alias, John. Do you know what it was?
1: I do know what it was. It's hilarious. John Johnson. <laughs> John Johnson. That sounds like
0: somebody who's just asked you on the spot. What's your yeah. name? Uh, Bob, Bob, Bobson. Uh, <laughs> it's just, John, John Johnson. John Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. Um, yeah. And security at the Palace of Westminster must have been slack, to say the <laughs> least. <laughs> <laughs> when the conspirators... I love this bit of the story. Yeah. So the conspirators discovered that a coal cellar Directly underneath the House of Lords was available for rent. Obviously, because of course, why would you not just rent out space? Oh, we've got a garage. Let's just rent it out to whoever wants it. Where is it? You know, in the seat of government. Um, and, and they leased it. It was quickly leased by this trustworthy-looking John Johnson bloke, who turned um, up twiddling his moustache <laughs> with, his with his floppy hat, hat on. Yeah. I'd like to
1: rent the coal cellar. What are you going to put in it? Uh, coal? My name is John Johnson. John Johnson! <laughs> so, it's, it, absolutely it's mad. insane, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Incidentally, they always called it a cellar, but it was actually on ground level. Uh, it was a sort of storeroom. And it was just a huge piece of luck for the conspirators that this was available, as you said, to tunnel under Parliament. <laughs> so that would have taken ages. Um, so, you know, this big empty storeroom was available to rent. So it was their lucky day, <laughs> apart from them getting caught and being hung, drawn and quartered, obviously. Yeah, yeah, but well, you, have to you, you, your, you have to take your positives <laughs> where you can find them, Angela. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should take our first break there and find out If they succeed after this.
0: Hello and welcome back to We Are History, where we are talking about the gunpowder plot. Remember, remember, the 5th of November... Gunpowder, treason treason and and plot. I I see see no no reason reason. why something in treason treason. should never be forgot. Ironically, I've forgotten. (laughs) That's fantastic. But never mind. We got there, sort (laughs) of. So, Guy Fawkes he's promptly started filling this cellar that he's rented in yeah. the House of Lords, because, of course... As you do. Uh, ...started filling it up with barrels of gunpowder. Did they not just see him wheeling him back? What you, what's in those barrels?
1: Oh, um, <laughs> storing, storing stuff.
0: 36 barrels of explosives, all ready for November the 5th, plus a packet of sparklers, mulled wine, some overcooked jacket potatoes. He Fantastic. has it all.
1: He's got it all there, yeah. Ready <laughs>
0: to
1: go. In fact, the original date for the opening of Parliament had been early October, but following an outbreak, ab- break of plague in the capital is put back a month. And it's recently been argued that having now sat around for so long, the gunpowder might have decayed and might have failed to detonate. No way of knowing this, of course, for certain. But the sensation of dramatically lighting a fuse and then wondering why nothing is happening is still reenacted every bonfire night.
0: The delay also, of course, created time for more anxious conspirators to start having second thoughts. Yeah. Um, you know, when it's all happening on a pace, you get sort of get swept along, I yeah, suppose. Then you then get then have time then to then think. Is this a good plan oh, or, hang or not? on a minute. <laughs> so on 26th of October, Lord Monteagle's servant handed his master a letter. We don't know who Lord Monteagle is. We don't course, need to say a Lord. Lord. Monteagle. That's all that this matters. Lord, isn't yeah, it? The- and um, his master gave him a letter that had been delivered by a stranger in the road mm. and it advised him that for his preservation he should avoid his attendance at this parliament which was to receive a terrible blow little clue in the yeah yeah and then it said he should burn this letter, which is never a no, good no. sign, is it, John? No. no. You should burn this letter after reading. It's never after just getting your gas bill, is it? Yeah, no. Burn well, after well, reading. You have it, to well, do you that just to keep warm. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um,
1: the letter was shown to the king on the 1st of November because, you know, no urgency. Give it a few yes. days. Um, and then on the evening of the 4th of November, a general search was undertaken of the palace of Westminster above and below. So who sent this letter is one of the great mysteries of history Ooh. along you know, along with how did Liz Truss ever become prime minister. Ooh. Whole books have been written on the subject. But the thing I would say about this is, Angela, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> who was the mystery letter sender? I mean, Am I bothered? Are you even slightly? Are you not even slightly. Well, it was something? one of the conspirators, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, but
0: which one, well, John? There, there was
1: someone who had a, uh, a sister-in-law or a cousin or something. I can't remember. I did mm. read about it. I left that detail out. I'm sorry. I saw
0: it. <laughs> We don't care. So the letter obviously prompted a search of the Palace of Westminster. I wonder if they thought it was a hoax because we used to, yeah. there was a, when I was at school, like Maidstone, where I grew up, is a barracks yeah. town. Right. And we used to, every now and then, somebody would phone our school with an Irish accent. Same with mine. And say there was a yeah. bomb in the school, and we'd all go and sit on the yeah. field while the yeah. sniffer dogs came out. Yeah. Um, we had the
1: same mid, mid 70s we had the same thing yeah. there would be someone who hadn't done their homework and didn't want to get in trouble in English so yeah. he'd so he just ring the uh, school with, from the school telephone box and say there's a bomb in the school we're all evacuated into the playing fields mm. and um, he's going yeah I didn't have to give it in there's yeah. a thousand boys <laughs> yeah, yeah. A thousand boys out of the film he did it like three times and everyone knew it was him and no teacher ever found out I mean, it's We never
0: found out who it was at our school but they did it laughing. several times Yeah." Um, so that so the search of the Palace of Westminster's happening. Yeah. And at midnight on November the fourth, a man was discovered besides a surprisingly large amount of wood, yeah. John. And uh, he said his name was, can you guess? Oh, it's John Johnson. It was John Johnson. <laughs> and he was standing guard over his master's supply of winter fuel.
1: I've got questions there, John. Yeah, I mean, at night. Do you guard wood at night? Do you guard wood at night? And also, <laughs> why
0: why is his master's winter supply of fuel at the House of Lords?
1: <laughs> why is so he taking it maybe, to work with him? <laughs> maybe lives nearby. Maybe. And uh, it's like the big yellow storage company, isn't it? You know, you put a load of wood in there and you stand guard in it. I suppose so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course
0: you do. Sorry, yeah. my bad. So they pulled away a few bushels of these sticks and of yeah. course it revealed 36. 36 huge barrels of gunpowder. Oh, that. Yeah, well, the shop had run out of fire lighters. Yeah, we've got to light this wood. That Sorry. is my master supply of...
1: Yeah, gunpowder, yeah. yeah.
0: Winter gunpowder. Yeah,
1: um, yeah. they searched John Johnson and uh, he had fuses in his pocket. Oh, is that what they oh. are? Oh, and he was like, things. Oh, oh, you got me, but society <laughs> is to blame. Um, let's just presume that the gunpowder was still good on November the 5th and it had blown up. What would have been the damage done?
0: Well, in 2003, the Institute of Physics in London asked scientists at the University of Aberystwyth Centre for Explosion Studies. That sounds like a dangerous place course, to study, yeah, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. A lot of what boys on it. One experiment
1: goes a bit wrong. A lot there. of dysfunctional boys on that course. Yeah, yeah, I bet.
0: <laughs> I see why they have it in Aberystwyth, like on the right on The, the coast. coast a long way from, <laughs> else. Yeah, long yeah. way from everyone else. Uh, they asked them to estimate the probable effects of detonating 36 barrels of gunpowder under the old House of Lords.
1: Yeah, obviously a lot of uh, guesswork in this. No one knows how tightly the barrels were packed with gunpowder, but they reckon that the amount of explosives would be about £5,000. Uh, That's in weight, not, weight, not in yeah, money. worst case scenario, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And they reckon that streets up to a third of a mile from the centre of Westminster would have suffered severe structural damage. Windows would have shattered up to a kilometre away. The gunpowder packed under the building would have made a blast, damaging houses almost 500 metres away. Yeah. So houses would have had to be at least a third of a mile away to escape with just broken windows wow. or for the inhabitants just to hear a loud noise.
1: Yeah, yeah. So in terms of the shock and the relative devastation, it would have been the 9-11 of its day.
0: Yeah, I suppose it would. Yeah, maybe not quite as many. Well, who knows, not, actually, not many, maybe. Well,
1: no, but I said relative, you know. So yeah, it's like yeah. um, it's the first major terrorist attack is yeah. a sort of gunpowder plot, I think it's fair to say. They're the original terrorists, aren't they? Yeah,
0: yeah. And, of course, the most insane and and sort of ill-thought-out part of their plan was that the power vacuum created by the atrocity they thought would immediately result in a general Catholic uprising across the country and that they could put James's... (laughs) This is great. They could put James's eight-year-old daughter on the throne and then they could rule through her as Lord Protectors. So, no, not everyone's as deluded as you. Just because you really want that to happen doesn't mean that... The Catholics are going to uprise and yeah. that's going to
1: happen. There's a great quote from Mark Twain, which is, it ain't what you don't know that gets you in trouble; it's what we know for sure that just ain't so. And yeah. that's exactly where these guys were. They were certain. It's like when you try and talk to socialist workers about the revolution. Instead, they're like, "Yeah, and the workers will seize control of the work means of production." You're going, "Which workers, guys? The people in the call centers, the traffic wardens, the Amazon delivery guy,
0: the Do ones you, that read the Sun and vote Brexit? Those ones?" <laughs> yeah.
1: Do you not think they might just go, "Shit, this looks dangerous out there. I think I'll keep the family inside and wait for this all to blow over." Yeah. Yeah.
0: By the way, I'm not saying. All working class people read The Sun and vote Brexit. i just want to make that clear. uh, I'm just saying a significant amount of them do and they're not joining the workers' (laughs) revolution, whether
1: you like it or not. Uh, So So, anyway, when the news about the gunpowder being discovered spread across London, it was, of course, a sensation. Every lord, nobleman and bishop was in London that night. And when they realised that November the 5th was intended to be the last morning they would ever see, they shared a sense of moral outrage and divine deliverance.
0: Now, it is, of course, possible that the letter to Monteagle was a forgery by the security services, which is something we don't think about happening be, yeah. like, sort of before the 20th century. Yeah, know, really yeah. do it. Spies seem such a 20th century concept. Yeah. But, but the theory is that they'd known about the plot for some time and were waiting until the last moment to expose it, thus creating the maximum impact and giving themselves the widest reign to act against the conspirators and any other Catholics they didn't like the look of. And if this was the case, then it was certainly very effective.
1: Yeah, there are still conspiracy theories that the whole thing was cooked up by the Protestant establishment, probably with the help of the CIA and (laughs) the Israeli Security Service. These don't really stand the test of looking at any source of material that isn't just blokes on the Internet.
0: Yeah, I mean actually conspiracy theories aren't a modern invention they did circulate pretty soon after the gunpowder plot uh, the whole the, the whole thing had been cooked up and the perpetrators framed by the establishment by the Earl of Shaftesbury to rally support for James I's shaky new regime all yeah. sorts
1: of theories yes. bandied about But the thing is only foolish people believe this Angela yeah. <laughs> um,
0: yeah. Well I yeah. don't know <laughs> um, I mean
1: um, conspirac- wake up sheeple that's what I wake say. Wake up sheeple <laughs> conspiracy theories are how stupid people make themselves feel clever that's what they say right. um, Guy Fawkes was a initially brazen in his proud admission of his murderous intentions. Although bearing in mind what they went on to do to him, he might have been better off saying he was very, very sorry.
0: There are famously, aren't there, two signatures by Guy Fawkes. There's that yeah. neat legible before the torture yes. <laughs> example. <laughs> yeah. And then that horrible shaky scrawled after the torture yes. sample. Yeah. So through torture, they eventually learned the names of the other conspirators. And they also learned that days and days of agonising, unendurable agony does nothing to improve a man's handwriting. Who would have
1: thought it? <laughs> yeah. um, but Robert Catesby and the other plotters have been in the Midlands declaring that the king and his heir were dead uh, and they tried to gather support for a Catholic uprising. And um, no one in the Midlands was very interested. They're like, oh, don't really know do anything about that.
0: It's funny, isn't it? You sort of forget... Because even before the internet, news would travel yeah. pretty quickly in our lifetime, yeah. And you forget that, of course, they're just assuming it had all gone to plan. Yeah. They've made their way to the Midlands and telling everyone, oh, As they're all happened. dead. They're all dead, yeah. they it's all blown happened, up. Because how would they know it hadn't happened? Yeah. It's really, when you think about how slow thing information yeah, was, absolutely. it's mad in the world we live in now to remember that, isn't it? So their plan to kidnap the king's nine-year-old daughter, who was eight a minute ago. I know, she's, um, she's yeah, she's up grown, so fast, she grew up so fast,
1: don't they? grew up so fast. Just during this podcast, she's aged a year. Different time is different the then, age, of course. she's
0: going to be 32. <laughs> um, she was either eight or nine, wasn't she? She might have been eight before the plot and nine after. Oh, I can't remember. We Happy don't birthday, know when her birthday little was. Elizabeth. Um, but it failed miserably, regardless. And eventually they made a last stand, the remaining... at Warwick Castle. And here they discovered that their gunpowder was damp. (laughs) Brilliant. Shouldn't have weed on it. (laughs) And with the genius that had marked every stage of the project, they hit upon another brilliant solution, didn't they, John? Yeah,
1: they were like, I know we could put all our gunpowder by the fire to dry out. (laughs) Yes, putting gunpowder really close to the fire. That seems like a totally flawless plan to me. Yeah, so tragically appropriate that the gunpowder plot literally blew up in their face. One of the conspirators was blinded, making him useless for the final shootout. Uh, Though judging from their competence up to that point, they probably appointed him chief lookout.
0: So that was the miserable failure of the gunpowder plot. Deluded terrorists driven on by righteous certainty who brought great suffering to those they purported to represent. Of course, nothing like that could ever happen today.
1: <laughs> nothing be. like that could happen today. No, that's the catchphrase that's of this podcast. You get out a mug. On You get on a mug, yeah. on a mug <laughs> <laughs> listeners. Um, so those who were not killed at the shootout in Warwickshire were put on trial for high treason and mischief. Yeah, mischief. Seems a bit petty, doesn't it, given that they tried to murder the entire establishment. You stand charged with Um, Tempted mass murder and being a proper nuisance.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Guy Fawkes was famously hung, drawn and quartered. And I think people don't like to think too much about what that actually means. I'm going to tell you. It involves castration and disembowelment with the entrails being waved in the face of the victim and then burned in a furnace. Which thankfully we don't
1: reenact every November the 5th. (laughs) Uh, Yes, quite. James I, no doubt shocked us how close he and his family had come to death. Declared that the date should be celebrated evermore by ye hoodies letting off ye air bombs at <laughs> two in the morning outside East John's house.
0: Oh, Grandpa's back! <laughs> in fact, actually, in Samuel Peep's diaries, he describes the fifth of November and boys throwing firecrackers. Yeah, beer. so it's you it know was a thing back then. Grandads were always moaning about it. <laughs> yeah. And actually, rather brilliantly, in 1666, which we know what happened yeah, in 1666, Great fire London, yeah. just a couple of months after the Great Fire of London, had destroyed pretty much the entire city. Samuel Pepys comments in his diary that there were very few bonfires that year in <laughs> yeah, London, John. What a shame. Funny that, isn't it? Oh, really, Samuel, people are not quite as thrilled about the whole bonfire thing just after the entire city and their houses are burned down.
1: What a surprise. <laughs> I think we should take another break there, Angela, <laughs> while we uh, while we bemoan the lack of fire on 1666. 66. Speak to you after this. So we're back talking about November the 5th and bonfire night. Having an annual autumn bonfire was Already a tradition, in fact, burning all the leaves that had fallen from the trees and and marking the change of season. So this was sort of hijacked as being an act of remembrance for this event. It became compulsory for a service of Thanksgiving to be given every year on the 5th of November. And a great deal was made of God's act of deliverance uh, from this heinous act. This remained in the Anglican prayer book until 1859, Angela. Wow! Um, in the aftermath, James I seized on this plot to assert his divine right to the throne and God's special protection of his position. But surprisingly, Angela, there was no encouragement of anti-Catholicism and there was no sort of state-sponsored attacks on Catholics.
0: Now, although some tried to suggest the Spanish or the French were behind this plot... There was no evidence of this. And James tried to play down this suggestion because he's currently at peace, you know, and he doesn't want to whip any antagonism that might jeopardise that state of affairs. But effigies of the Pope were burned on November the 5th. And in some parts of the country, mobs used the date to attack suspected Catholics. Although there wasn't state-sponsored, it still wasn't great for the Catholics. No, it wasn't,
1: no. Um, There's an interesting thing that happens here in terms of our uh, national calendar. November the 1st had been All Saints Day. And in the Catholic calendar, that had been a big festival. Mm. And now here was a political anniversary rather than a religious one. So the 5th was encouraged and the 1st frowned upon.
0: Guy Fawkes wasn't the central character in the story of the conspiracy, or John Johnson, as he prefers to be known, wasn't the central character in the story of the conspiracy until about 1800. Before that, they burnt effigies of the Pope on November the 5th. Uh, But then as time passed during the 17th century and tolerance towards Catholics increased seemed rather poor taste to burn the Pope, John. Right. Um Took a century or two, but you know. So instead they burned an effigy of the man who tried to destroy Parliament.
1: When I stood for Labour in Maidenhead back in 2001, the locals of Cook and Rise burnt an effigy of John Prescott. So I put them down <laughs> as against. Um, but people have always put whoever they wanted on the top of their mm-hmm. bonfires. Recent ones have included Osama bin Laden, Margaret Thatcher and Jerry Halliwell. Seems, seems a bit mean. Doesn't it? a bit over the top? I mean, I don't like all her songs, <laughs> but crikey. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Westminster School in 1681, the boys burnt an effigy of a Presbyterian, Jack Presbyter. Uh, that never really caught on, that one. But yeah. the very opposite of a Catholic villain, but still a villain to them. So that'll do. Yeah, just
0: burn whoever you don't like in that moment, yeah. I suppose. And Guy Fawkes, as we said, seems to have emerged as the central villain around the 1790s, um, when he was the central character in a play at the Royal Haymarket Theatre. So, and then several other productions included his name in the title. And by the 1850s, there were a series of Guy Fawkes pantomimes, which seem hard to imagine today. <laughs> What's that, boys and girls? A bunch of terrorists
1: are going to cook mass murder. mass John Johnson! <laughs> Let's publicly disavow them and burn their testicles before their very eyes, boys and girls.
0: <laughs> and of course, the date became even more special during the Glorious Revolution. We should oh, yes. do an episode on that. I find oh. that really interesting. Oh, when I, the I've Dutch got sort of landed in the yeah. West Country and the West Country went, come in, have it's gone. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, well, it's gone,
1: it's gone, it's gone. <laughs> yeah. 1688, scone.
0: listeners, yeah. yes. Um- And that's when the next King James, of course, was forced off the throne. And November the 5th was the date that William of Orange landed in Torbay. Yeah. So another Protestant celebration. And the obliging wind that had brought him to England was seen as another divine intervention, like the one that had exposed the plot in 1605 or the storms that had wrecked the Spanish Armada in 1588.
1: I mean, it really all went to prove that God's favourite country was England. I I think it's hard to overlook the evidence any other way, isn't it? If you say so, John, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah. Weirdly, November the 5th was celebrated in the American colonies before independence. There's stories of boys burning the Pope in Boston and in other towns, New York, I think. But George Washington forbade his officers and soldiers from participating in that ridiculous and childish custom of burning an effigy of the Pope.
0: Uh, Fun fact, um, because of the tradition of making effigies of Guy Fawkes out of old clothes, in America, the word Guy came to mean any scruffy man. Which eventually just became slang for man. So a guy is because yeah. of Guy Fawkes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So now it means women as well, doesn't it? Hey, yeah. you guys. Hey, guys.
0: Hey, guys. Hey, we're guys. so excited
1: to have you here, guys. Yeah. It all comes from the penny for the guy that you were pushing around in your pram.
0: Yeah. So well, not, not me personally. <laughs> I started it.
1: It was celebrated until quite recently in parts of the Caribbean because lots of uh, loyalists fled the American colonies and settled in places like, you know, Barbados. Um Although I don't think people necessarily were aware why they had a big bonfire on November the 5th and put an effigy of a man on top.
0: Of course, the authorities became torn between having this one sanctioned day of celebration of the monarchy being saved and the general unruly riotous nature of the events that evolved on November the 5th before... uh Health yeah. and safety had yeah. gone mad, yeah, John. Yeah. And of course, in Lewis, in Sussex, in 1785, the authorities famously tried to intervene. A magistrate read the riot act, but it was knocked <laughs> to the ground and they rioted even more until <laughs> midnight. Have you ever been to I Lewis? Have, have. Oh so my God. I live in Brighton. Of course, so it's, it's down the of road. It's of passage, really. Yeah, yeah. And I remember the first time I went, I was a student at Sussex University. Yeah. So the campus is in Falmer, which is just a stop oh, from right. Lewis. It's very near Lewis. Yeah. And my first year, everyone was like, "You have to go to this thing. You have yeah. to go." And we—it was carnage. It is absolute <laughs> carnage. And we got the train. It's one or two stops I think to so Lewis. Yeah, not yeah. many stops anyway yeah, yeah. to Lewis from Falmer And the train was racked. Cause every student on campus was going to. And the had a few beers inside him. And I remember I was much smaller in those days. I was like a little size eight thing. And I remember my friends just putting me in the luggage rack. <laughs> There was no space on so the train, they just popped me in the luggage. rack. don't leave her behind, don't forget. To, yeah, that's the most traumatic thing about it. And then you get there, and it's just, yeah, it's absolute. Insane.
1: But also, the, 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 the parade is like all these sort of uh, middle ages, they look like clan head hoods, don't they? Yeah, and oh, and it's
0: so um, what's the word? It's so sort of uh, sectarian, sectarian, and uh, yeah. and really sinister. Yeah, it feels it is sinister. very sinister. It is.
1: and you, but, but there's a series yeah. of riots They're carrying
0: there. tar barrels. Yeah, well, actually, I was
1: going to talk about that because when I was at ex to university when I was a kid our big trip on the coaches was to Ottery St Mary Ah, and that is insane I don't know if that's still going on but this was the 80s and the, the tradition in Ottary St. Mary is that they have the men of the village carry these tar barrels on their back, flaming. I, I was there, saw the tar barrel flaming, coming towards us. Everyone surged back. We, A crowd crashed through a plate glass window of a shop, and people were covered in glass and cut and stuff. And then someone else goes, Oh, Rusty's got it. Give it to Rusty's got it. No, he's gone that way. And he's like staggering this way and left because the thing's really heavy and flames are pouring out. Everyone's hair's getting singed. And this, uh, the the tradition is to sort of surge towards the crowd with it yeah. to scare them. And it's just the most dangerous thing I've ever seen in my life. And I, it must have been banned by now, but maybe some listener can say no, um, no, it's probably still going on. It seems appropriate that the Gunpowder Plot was celebrated with fireworks and all the fire risks that. That was brought with them. It's still the busiest night of the year for the fire brigade.
0: Yeah, I mean, to begin with, all the fireworks, If you think about it, all the fireworks were just homemade by amateurs. Great.
1: Again, brilliant idea. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, do you know what happened, Angela? Lots of of idiots (laughs) blew themselves up or sustained horrible injuries and burned their whole house down.
0: Yeah. It wasn't until the Explosives Act... In 1875, you've had centuries of this, Yeah. 1875 finally regulated the manufacture and sale of fireworks. Honestly, John, I mean, you can't even make homemade bombs these days. Yes, I know. And of course, more recently, the Fireworks Act 2003 limited their sale and the power of publicly available fireworks even further. And a good thing, too, says this dog owner. Yes, they brought in yeah. a
1: hundred and... 20 decibel limit Uh, but by that point my old dog was deaf anyway so that's no good Um, and then a recent Decades, of course, Guy Fawkes has become some of a pin-up boy, isn't it, for wannabe subversives. Mm. Those masks from V for Vendetta get worn on demos and protests by young men who'd like to cast themselves as urban terrorists for an afternoon. Yeah. They're all made in sweatshops in Indonesia, obviously. Yeah, um, And of course, there's that right-wing website called Guido Fawkes and the uh, old joke that Guy Fawkes was the only man to enter parliament with honourable intentions. All of which as I find a bit Glib and stupid, if I'm honest. Mm. Uh, parliament and democracy, good thing, says John. Yeah. Killing politicians, bad thing. Well, yeah.
0: Well, I'm, well. <laughs> <laughs> Call me a centrist dad, Angela,
1: <laughs> but I don't think it makes you smarter and more clued up than everyone else if you believe that Westminster should be blown up sky high.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, like, I, know, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I right. don't kill politicians. I'm, like. I'm, I'm remaining yeah, yeah, neutral on
1: this. Don't kill politicians, says John <laughs> Angela. Not sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I,
0: yeah, I'm still thinking about that.
1: <laughs> when uh, Gordon Brown was prime minister, he commissioned a book about being British, and I wrote a whole chapter about the Gunpowder Plot, in fact, and how I think we should reimagine that day as a celebration of our parliamentary system and also the the last time the government found any weapons of mass destruction. I bet the Catholics loved you for that. Yeah, I know, Jill. I know. But I think it's a shame that we don't really have a proper national day in that the way the Americans have Fourth of July. I do and I don't,
0: I suppose. Um I mean they let off fireworks to celebrate their independence and the birth of their nation. And what do we have St George's Day? Some bloke from the Middle East who wouldn't even be allowed in the country today supposed to have killed a dragon. Did he? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, have you seen any dragons? He was no, obviously very oh, good yeah, at maybe it. Maybe that's why we yeah. have dragons
1: in England. Yeah.
0: Um, I mean, the, the English hate cruelty to animals. I don't know why they're celebrating him. Yes. And I just, I don't know. It, yeah. The no. idea of us having a national day like that would just be co-opted by a certain yeah, sort
1: of flavour of, it feels like, doesn't it? Yeah. But I just, I suppose, so what I was saying is make it about something positive. Say that, Our our parliamentary system is something to celebrate. And just Mm. because because we let off fireworks on that day already, I think it would be a good way to reframe it. But it's disappearing, as we said. It's Halloween now, and Mm. we're just having a sort of American celebration. So I I think it would be a good day to uh, um, celebrate our system of government. Just don't burn anyone on top of the bonfire, as that's really not a very nice thing to do.
0: No, and also it's more effective if you burn them in the middle. (laughs) Um, Also, if you are having a bonfire, please, please, before you set light to it, Go underneath and check for hedgehogs.
1: Hedgehogs go, oh, let's hibernate in large piles of leaves and sticks in the autumn, they go. Oh, oh, poor hedgehogs. But roasted hedgehog is delicious, actually.
0: So that's the story of the gunpowder plot and how it's been remembered or misremembered down the centuries. John says make it a national holiday. Any excuse
1: for another day off work, Angela. (laughs) My main source for this podcast was a book by James Sharp. Thank you, Mr. Sharp, uh, called Remember, Remember, the 5th of November. And we've got a few uh, Patreon supporters we'd like to give a big shout out to.
0: Yes, don't forget you can join our Patreon... Patreon.com slash history I've said that with an upward inflection because I wasn't sure, but then I, I've got confidence. It's right. Patreon.com slash history And you can get your episodes a week early and ad-free and
1: other bits and bobs and goodies and mugs and stuff. So thank you to Fiona Brown. Marion. Eva Muller. Olivia Foster. And Alan Baxter. Honestly, Lovely. we couldn't make the podcast without you. Thank you, guys. Uh, and uh, yeah, click on the link that Angela mentioned In and we can keep show. making this thing. Do you learn anything, Angela?
0: Yeah, I've learned a lot, John, actually.
1: Yeah. So this November the 5th, Keep pets indoors, don't throw fireworks. I mean, do you remember all the adverts on telly? Oh, they were terrifying, weren't they? Yeah. And and the thing about keeping your fireworks in a biscuit tin. And cover the box, close the box when you. I can't
0: remember the last time we had a a tin of biscuits. Do you remember the (laughs) family circle? Oh, God, let's get one after this. (laughs) I really want a biscuit.
1: Have a great bonfire night guys have a great halloween trick Oops, or bloody tree. don't
0: go back to a lit firework wear gloves see yeah. they work those
1: adverts trick or treat <laughs> thanks a lot guys bye, bye. we are history is written and presented by angela barnes and john o'farrell with audio production by me simon williams the lead producer is Anne-Marie Luff, and the group editor is Andrew Harrison. With artwork by James Parrott, We Are History is a Podmasters production.